0: You and
1: Welcome
2: to Burn it All Down, the feminist sports podcast you need. I'm Shereen and I am joined by Lindsay and Brenda this week. This week on the show we are going to talk about sports and holidays. Should we have them? Do we need them? But before we get into that, I have a question for you both. If you could have a superpower, would you want to A, know what people are thinking, or B, be able to communicate with
0: plants and animals? B. B. <laughs> tell me why, Brenda. Oh, there are so many things. First, people tell you what they want you to know about what they think, and whatever they think that they don't tell you is probably scary and harmful and I don't want to know. Um... That would probably, how could I get anything done? Uh -uh. I'd just be walking around picking up people's thinking vibes. But, oh, my gosh, if I could ask the cat, do you want the eye ointment or the eye drops? That would preclude a ton of, like, moral conundrums for me that take up so much time. Plus, oh, my gosh, do you know what you could ask plants about people lying about crimes? (laughs) I mean, assuming that plants are good plants. My teenagers, I'd be like, I'd ask my house plants like when did she really get in last night? Between you and me. So you're
2: gonna you're gonna use your plants to police your children.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, totally. <laughs> wow.
2: Lindsay, Lindsay, <laughs> what about you?
3: Just my first reaction is I would do anything to never ever have to know what people are thinking.
2: Like <laughs>
3: I have enough neuroses as is. I do not need to know what everyone is thinking. I would never be able to do anything ever, like Brenda said, ever, ever again. That is the worst case scenario, worst nightmare. There was recently that, like, what was that? Like that New York Times bad art friend um, piece a few... Uh, a couple months ago where it was like the group text that got leaked and I was like I would pay all the money I have to never ever read any group text about me like I don't want to know like can you just imagine oh my god so I I, like I don't even need the like the plant and animal thing is cool like that's great but like just no I just do not want to know be able to read thoughts no
2: So for me, initially, I was like, I want to know what people think. I'm curious. But then I was like, no, it would not help my anxiety. But the flip side is I immediately thought to have Thada articulate why she thinks I'm so dumb consistently. I don't know if I want that because I already can feel her disdain. Do I really want her to spell it (laughs) out for me? So, I mean, part of it is like I do feel like sometimes I don't get her meows and that you know, I need to be more attentive because then I misunderstand. But uh I still want my superpower to be able to speak any language. That would be fine for me. I don't want to know what people are thinking. Yeah. And I agree.
0: Yeah. Speaking any language would be Yeah. That would be pretty great because now that I'm like thinking this through, then like can I garden anymore or is the kale going to be like, no, don't harvest me. Is that, am I just not even going to be able to eat?
2: I feel like we'd be able to turn this off and on. Like it wouldn't always be on. Okay.
0: Okay. All right. Then I'm on board.
3: So for the first time ever on Thanksgiving Day, it'll be the Giants against the Lions. Happy Thanksgiving
1: to you. I'm Pat Summerall. It's great to be back again, once again, with John Madden. We had some turkey last night. Hope you enjoyed yours today and hope we don't furnish you with one on the football field today.
2: (laughs) Since time immemorial, the mid-20th century, I'd rather, we always remember our holidays full of food, family, and professional sports. Yes, folks, our holidays are as much Roger Goodell as they are Father Christmas. Now, there are some great moments in holiday games. December 25th, 2002, I actually remember watching Tracy McGrady get 46 points with the Orlando Magic in a 104-99 Magic win against the Pistons. But don't we all remember the epic comeback by the Cavs against the Warriors on Christmas Day 2016 when Cleveland were down 14 points but beat Golden State with Kyrie Irving making a turnaround jumper with 3.4 seconds left to ruin Katie's 36-point effort for the Warriors. LeBron walked away with 31 points and 13 rebounds. So LeBron is actually the real Santa Claus. They all gave us the best Christmas ever. So some of the usual programming that we know on holidays is NFL on the American Thanksgiving, which is November, because the Canadian long weekend is in October. There's NBA on Christmas, Premier League football, and New Year's Eve, and of course, the Winter Classic, and NHL tradition that started on and around New Year's Day um, in 2008. So, what does that mean for the players? What is the implication for their families? Do we even want sports on holidays? The games are coming thick and fast on Sky Sports and Rome, broken up the deal. Holidays are a marketing fiesta, and one particular 2020 ad for Sky Sports boasts over 60 games between December 1st and January 4th.
1: But here's Rashford, Into the box. It's a great chance! Oh! And the flurry of goals
3: continues!
2: So... We're actually going to get into the weeds of sports on holidays, and we aren't going to go grinch on you with today's discussion. Brenda?
0: My favorite sports holiday tradition is the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. If it's a spectator question, if it's a question about my own personal um, experience, I like a turkey trot myself. You know, these run walks that Sharine's giving me a face right now. You can't see that we're recording with video, but she seems to think this is outrageous. Turkey trots. A turkey you don't trot the turkeys. It's just about being on Thanksgiving and getting out. I don't know. I hate I am sorry. I hate like laying around all day with my family. I'm sorry, family. I like <laughs> I like trotting like with them. You know what I mean? I like being with them doing something, you know. But anyway, One other way to avoid my terrible uncle was to watch the Lions. And I think it's a really good case study of just thinking about sports and what they might mean to people on holidays. And it's really interesting because it's political. So, you know, the Lions started playing on Thanksgiving in 1934, and it was after the Depression not a lot of disposable income, and the owner, George Richards at the time, did it as a gimmick to get people to go to the games. People were off on that Thursday, there was no church, and it was very popular with working class fans. So eventually they had to turn people away. But ultimately, the Lions are a marvel of terribleness and a real symbol of the failure of 20th century industrials in Detroit, the Ford family. So the Fords are pioneers in sports washing. They bought the team at the same time in 1963 that they obstructed building public transportation in Detroit, that they attacked unions, including hiring henchmen to brutally attack union organizers, even for passing out information, denying African-Americans car dealerships. I mean, the list goes on and on. And they still control it. Right now it's Sheila Ford Hamp who's at the helm. And so anyway, they just suck so bad. And the family sucks so bad that it feels comforting that we all still watch this. Like, we're all still sort of like, you know, I don't know that we even care that they lose because we're like, great, the Ford family loses, except for the players, right? Barry Sanders had to stay with the Lions all those years. I mean, it's it's pretty tragic. <laughs> you know, Stafford, I think we all felt pretty bad for But there's something hilarious about them finding new ways to lose every year. So this year was hilarious. You guys, I don't think you watched it, right? Probably none of you watched. Did anybody watch this? Uh, You did? Linz, did you watch
3: it? Just the, I went back, like I was following on Twitter and then I kind of went back and watched. So I know what you're talking about and it was, I, I loved reading about it. It was so much fun.
0: I mean, so the entire game, the Lions are just like holding on. To Bears jerseys like that's all they're doing like they're just <laughs> just grabbing so holding penalty here holding penalty there then what it looks like they're still gonna eke out a run the coach calls back-to-back timeouts with no play in between which is like a five-yard penalty which was just nail in the coffin type of thing and like all of Detroit just like roared with laughter. Like people weren't even upset. It was just like Twitter, Facebook, like, "Oh my god, this is the most creative team at losing in the entire <laughs> world." And sometimes it's just like warm and cozy to see history repeating itself. So, I don't know, it's one of my favorite traditions. It's got a lot of contradictions, um, but it's one of the things where I go and check what my high school friends are like saying on social media because the minute that that penalty call you know, it. I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be hilarious. And, you know, I'm going to see everybody in their family is doing their things, but also just, Arr! so anyway, that's my favorite.
2: So what was the accessibility for the fans to go to these games back in the day? And I'm asking you to put on your, your professorial hat here.
0: So essentially, um, a lot of the holiday games were ones in which there would be giveaways you know the Fords tried to do it for workers and things and that made it a lot more accessible nowadays um I don't know many people that can afford to go because it's a it's a bit or would spend that amount of money who you know who aren't total diehard fans and we do know the outcome in advance so it makes it less attractive for a lot of people um I don't think the Lions have won a game in many many moons
2: I think the idea of making it accessible to working class families is great. But then we get down into the question. Is this actually fair to athletes and their families? Lens, what do you feel here?
3: I mean, I am very, when I think about people who I feel sorry for, who have to like work on holidays, like well-compensated athletes is not even on my list. Do you know what I mean? Like we're not even like getting to the list. Mhm. <laughs> and this isn't me being all like athletes aren't humans. No, it's just like there's so many people who have to work on holidays and so their family has to, you know, adjust their holiday a little bit accordingly. And that's just is like what it is. So, my opinion like as long as athletes are being compensated fairly, you know, I'm not I don't really love Um, you know, the Thanksgiving games for like men's and women's college basketball that are, you know, these Thanksgiving tournaments that take these young students away from their families. Like, I don't love that as much as I love these tournaments, but I don't love that part of it. But yeah, sure. Like, it's not ideal to not be with your family, you know, on Christmas or Thanksgiving. But like I said, I mean, You know, I mean, my mom's in a nursing home and they had a full staff the day of, you know, of Thanksgiving, like when I went to pick her up. Like and then, of course, like I think if there's any argument against athletes playing, it would be. The fact that this entire ecosystem around them has to also go to work, right? Like all the stadium workers, all the media people, not to be like, you know, woe is, you know what I mean? But just like the fact that there are a lot of other people around them. But I mean, look, I know we talk a lot about how like athletes are humans and athletes are not just entertainers and... I believe that. I believe that fully, right? Like <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But also sports are entertainment. Do you know what I mean? And so I think it makes sense to have sports on days where people have time, right? Where people are home during the days. I think it's very special like if you look at the NBA, which has the Christmas Day games, those are a big deal and they're always nationally broadcast and, you know, um so Yeah, I can get if you're LeBron, you get a little sick of it, right? Because since you're a big deal, like you're scheduled every single year. But I'm sorry, you're also LeBron. Like you can (laughs) like do, you know, like figure out some alternatives. So I did find out there are some sports that have like the NHL's collective bargaining agreement forbids playing games on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day or Boxing Day. So the players decided to collectively bargain that. And I'm all for that, right? Like if the players want to collectively bargain that. Don't get me wrong, like very, very pro that. But I also found out that um, you know NBA doesn't schedule any games on Christmas Eve, period. So there's zero games on Christmas Eve. I don't know. For me, I like it. I love um, having sports on the holidays. I think it's fun. It's something to talk about. And ultimately, it's great exposure for the sports.
2: So I'll push back a little here. So I was doing some reading and I found a piece, uh, an ESPN piece from 2015 where LeBron says, quote, I won't be with my family on Christmas, unfortunately. So no, we have no traditions. If I can get a home game on Christmas, then we'll have a tradition, end quote. And that made me sad for LeBron. I know he has bazillions of dollars. and like, But like the idea of not, being with the family on that particular holiday and sure i know people that who travel or who work abroad and they're like no we'll do a christmas even me i want to do a christmas dinner with my best friend aaron but because my son had COVID last year i was quarantining during that time so we had to push back roasting the duck until january we still made it festive but it's really not it wasn't the same thing you know what i mean so and i'm someone who doesn't actually observe this holiday. And I think about, as Lynn said, the stadium workers, the band, the cheerleaders, the team staff, the media, security, everybody involved in this and that ecosystem. And there's so many other pieces. Now, question, and Brenda, you might know this, do they get time and a half for the holidays? Or it would depend. Because if you get overtime or, uh, you know, in some places they pay extra, because in that way, if they're compensated and remunerated in a very good way, could be a strong case for
0: that. They could be. I really depends on the contract. Right. It depends. Some people get holiday pay. Some don't. I don't think the athletes get time
3: and a half. They have their contract. We're not talking about that.
2: Media. Media certainly does not. Media
3: doesn't because that's not, you know, um, usually how that's working. but i would assume that all the stadium workers and day if you have a day rate like i know in the film and television industry when i had to work on thanksgiving even i was a production assistant you know it was just automatically time and a half
0: there's just no law though it's your contract mm. it'd be great if there was like a law but like the labor standards act means it's all negotiated according to to contract like For example, you know, professors are always grading. I'm always working on Christmas, always. Mm -hmm. Um, And unless your contract stipulates it, you're just kind of stuck. So some of those, you know, union-busting states, and maybe this goes back to the Fords (laughs) as the ultimate union holdouts um, and attacks on unions, I I would be so surprised if they they just got time and a half without that union effort. You know, I wish they did. But that's a good point. Look what look what comes up in our holiday chats here. I know we all
2: thought this would be this would be basic. It's not basic. This is amazing. Uh, so, Lindsay, you mentioned this the idea that sports are entertainment. Tell me a little bit about what you're thinking about this and how this plays in to the theater in holiday time.
3: People love going to the movies on holidays. Uh, you know, movie theaters are open. Broadway's open. You know what I mean? Like it's a time for Uh, entertainment because the majority of people have that time off and they're looking for, um, you know, entertainment. And so I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's controversial to say sports are entertainment. Like I do think it's wrong to like stop the conversation there. Right. But I think if you lose, if you lose track that sports are entertainment, like I think you're missing a big point, right? Like, (laughs) like I just, you've missed the whole point.
2: And what about what about women here? We're pivoting to entertainment and women's sports.
3: You know, I think ultimately the NFL on Thanksgiving and the NBA on Christmas Day, like these are big traditions. It gets a lot of eyeballs to their sport, which ultimately helps gain fans. You know what I mean? I think the first time I really got to sit down and watch Steph Curry and the Warriors, you know what I mean? And really fall in love with his game was a Christmas Day game. I mean, it's not hard to be a Steph Curry fan, but do you know what I mean? Like that exposure is ultimately good. Right. That brings in fans. and so I think women's sports should take, uh, you know, a little bit more advantage of finding ways to, especially because, um, you know, with the WNBA and stuff, they're happening during the summer when usually you don't have the NBA and you don't have the NFL, right? And I maybe, I don't know, maybe July 4th is a WNBA day or Memorial Day or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they, they take advantage of a day and really do scheduling around a holiday and kind of try to start some traditions of their own. Yes, I understand that for players, you know, it's it's different. But like I said, I mean, ultimately growing the game is good for for everyone. And as long as they are being compensated, like I, I think it's smart for sports to find ways, you know, to be watched. I mean, there's there's actually like a lot of times tennis tournaments um, are held around holidays. So the French Open's usually around Memorial Day. U.S. Opens around Labor Day. Um, It's the summer, Australian summer. Um, There's like a big Australian Day celebration during the Australian Open. And so ultimately this is good because a lot of people have time off, right, during those times. And they can come watch the sport that's taking place during the day. So there's actually been a lot of controversy with Wimbledon because Wimbledon has traditionally had an off Sunday, a middle Sunday where there's no play. And there's been a lot of outrage because it's like, that's very anti-working class, right? Like, yes, it's good to give everybody a break. I know media people love it and players love it, but ultimately like that's a day where a lot of people don't have to work where you're saying like, you can only come to our tournament, basically, if you can get time off during the weekday, which we know is not accessible to everyone. So like I said, I mean, I'm big on utilizing times where more people are free and able to watch your sport and playing then because you are ultimately competing for those entertainment eyeballs. And that's just the reality of it.
2: Yeah, I love this idea about the July 4th for the WNBA. I think that is actually a fantastic idea. And just on that point, This got me thinking about, like, the the traditional holidays that we talk about are, you know, rooted in Judeo-Christian traditions and Christian traditions and settler traditions. So what about faiths and other faith day holidays? And Brenda, could you explain, like, the history of Jewish athletes or if there's any case examples of that?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, for the most part, the majority of of Jewish professional athletes are non-observant. So it doesn't come up as often maybe as, you know, Ramadan. I, I I don't know that would be an interesting question. The most famous holiday or the most observed is Yom Kippur, which usually comes September, October. It's the day of atonement, the day when God's deciding one's fate, you know? So, you're supposed to make amends and ask for forgiveness and it's a pretty busy day for some. And that's been the one that um Jewish athletes have struggled the most with um, being asked to play. And there's the famous case of Sandy Koufax in 1965 in the World Series between Minnesota and the Dodgers. Um, Koufax did not start game one pitching because it fell on Yom Kippur. And at that time, that was like kind of a a big controversy. He went on to be the series MVP. So um, cry, cry, cry. But it is it is hard, Yom Kippur, a lot of, you know, that's the wrap-up of Major League Baseball, you know, it's playoff time. Uh, there is an exception to that, which is Israeli athletes who are very often faced with this in international play, that high holidays will fall. And there's been, you know, a lot of different case studies in terms of that.
2: Yeah, thanks for that. And I mean, I was looking back into the ways in which islamic calendar holidays fall into and for those that don't know the islamic calendar is a lunar calendar it doesn't follow the gregorian calendar and it actually goes back every 10 days so ramadan if you see me wishing people Eid mubarak which is the festival at the end of uh, of ramadan and it's not consistent it's because it goes back 10 days every year so one of the things is the month of ramadan which is 30 days um falls often has fallen within the world cup in the last uh five six years The Olympics have fallen during that time. Other, you know, tournaments have fallen during that time. But the difference is here is that because Ramadan is a month where you fast during the days, during sunlight hours, there are a lot of ways in which people can still participate in their sport. In fact, you're encouraged to continue working during Ramadan and not just, like, wake up before the sun rises and go back to sleep until, like, 2 p.m., which is what many of us actually do do. In fact, famously, Hakeem Olajuwon played through, with the Houston Rockets, played through and won a championship, NBA championship, while he was fasting. And every year, sorry, every World Cup, the last couple People have been like, oh, my goodness, there's this big furor about, well, Mo Salah, do well. And what about the Algerian team, you know, Riyadh Mahrez? And what about Sadio Mane? And what about, you know, all the Muslim players? And what's going to happen to the World Cup if they're fasting? OK, well, let me explain something. And I went through to find a bunch of articles on Ramadan and fasting and, you know, what that means. Um, and actually, I wrote most of them. <laughs> so, one of the things was I had interviewed, like for BuzzFeed a couple of years ago, 17 athletes, one of whom is Nadia Nadim, who I love, and the different ways in which they observe. But I also want to add this caveat there's exceptions for fasting. If you're traveling, you don't have to fast because you're in travel. And there's a lot of exceptions and accommodations made for that. You have to make up for it later. But some choose, may choose not to because most athletes that are Muslim or live in Muslim majority countries travel for somewhere for the World Cup, like most of them do. So, and at the end for Eid, there's one Eid at the end of Ramadan and then another Eid a couple months later. You go for prayers which are not mandatory. They're considered a gift. And if you can participate, that's amazing. And if you can't, you go to work, you do what you have to do, and you celebrate later. So it doesn't actually infringe with this. I mean, most people do like to celebrate with their families and their communities on Eid. And I see that. But I mean, you know, if someone had told me to go to, like, new camp on Eid, I'd go. 100% I'd go, especially to see Javi. So that's just a little bit of a rundown. Yeah, I went there, Brenda. Javi's back. Uh, So should we cancel sports on major holidays? Lindsay? No.
3: <laughs> but I am pro making sure that all stadium workers and contract workers are paid time and a half. That would be my only caveat. But no, I love sports on holidays. Keep them.
0: friend, Keep them. More. More <laughs> of them. Give me, you know, give me more sports. Just saying this is going to come up again because next Thanksgiving we will be watching the World Cup in Qatar.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to go against the grain here and just be like, I want LeBron to have family traditions. I want I want him to have Christmas memories. I want him to have that. <laughs> Lindsay's face right now is like, he can cry into his bags of money. You
3: know? And aside from that, it's just like he can... I know he has that quote, but I guarantee you he has Christmas traditions with his family. Like, they might not all happen on the 25th, but 100% LeBron has holiday traditions with his family. Uh-huh. I bet if I go to Instagram right now, I will find some matching pajamas somewhere on
2: there. Um, so maybe some sports days should be holidays. Let's, let's flip this just to wrap up. I think that maybe the Women's World Cup final should be a holiday for everybody. The WNBA final, I think that should be a holiday. Actually, get everybody get prepped and ready. I mean, people should actually think about this. And lastly, Halloween games should be in full costume.
3: At least the
0: walk-ins. At least the walk-ins. <laughs> agree. Hard agree. I don't know.
3: Like, I don't want to think about the athletes, like, might not be able to, but the coaches. Like, if you're not actually playing – Yes, you should be in costume and you should be in costume all the time when you're not like the warm ups, you know what I mean? That they put on, on the sidelines should have like bunny ears or
0: something. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's just go all out at least ears. Come on, at least give yourself some ears.
1: Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: This week for our interview that drops on Thursday, I speak with Asher Hill, Canadian figure skating coach and choreographer, also with that figure skating show that airs on CBC, will talk the upcoming Olympics and racially diversifying the sport.
0: Just feeling the joy of skating again and remembering why I love it. It's the freedom of movement. It's creating stories. It's that human connection that you can create through this weird judge sport uh, by creating images and pictures on the ice um, with your body and then as well as you know I got to be on national tv speaking about issues that um, often in Canada we don't like to talk about because we are the the uh, cordial cordial racism is I guess <laughs> a good term for it
2: moving on to everyone's favorite segment the burn pile Um, For my burn, I actually wanted to bring a little bit of uh, Canadian sport media history into this with the Lou Marsh trophy. For, For those of you that don't actually know who Lou Marsh is in the 20th century, he worked at the sports desk and was largely the only sports reporter at the Toronto Star for over 43 years. As a result of that, and Lou Marsh's Process, journalistic processes are actually still taught in many sports media and sports journalism programs. Now, the problem with Lou Marsh, ooh, it's bad. Our very own flamethrower friend of the show, Dr. Janice Forsyth, who was on an episode, I believe, 167, wrote an article last February about the racist history of Lou Marsh and how his language is anti Black, anti Indigenous, and he still continues to be heralded as one of the country's foremost sports journalists. And so Lou Marsh, the Lou Marsh trophy is voted on by Canadian sports media members to the highest achieving athlete, Canadian athlete for that year. So this had come out last year and just recently, uh, TSN's Gord Miller a hockey insider started a tweet thread about it also citing Janice's work Dr. Forsythe's work and this is really important because someone with this kind of platform sharing this information and to be very honest before Janice flagged this last year I didn't even know I had no idea the racist history in terms of incredibly horrible language in the way he was unapologetic anti-Semitic as well, but just firm, particularly when Canada wanted to boycott the Olympics. Uh, and he spoke against that and said it was literally, according to Lou Marsh, the Nazi issue, quote unquote, was an internal German political problem that Canada shouldn't have an opinion on. And that was early. It was in 36. And this is something that he stood behind for the remainder of his career. So this is not something that should be used in that name to cheer and amplify and elevate Canadian athletes. Absolutely not. I want to and I want to thank Dr. Janice Forsyth for her work always and on which. You know, the Toronto Star recently said that they were doing research into it, researching whether they were going to change the name. Hopefully, hopefully it does lead to a name change. But I want to take those institutions and systems of racism that are still upheld. And I want to take them and I want to torch them. And I'll burn it all down. Burn. 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 Bren, you're next.
0: I have a petty burn that's maybe as controversial as my support for Var. Uh, But recently, Comebal, the South American Confederation, decided to do away with the away goal rule uh, following UEFA's decision to get away from the away goal rule. And for those of you that don't know, that means that, let's say, a two-leg series like the Champions League playoffs, right, you used to get more credit in the end if you were tied for an away goal that you scored. Do you get what I'm saying here? Um, basically <laughs> you need a whole series called Ted Lasso to begin to explain some of this stuff. So I'm trying to just say like not be belittling but say it's weird. You know, we don't have that in US sports. But that is a longstanding tradition in Colme Ball, or at least since the I don't know, 1960s. And following UEFA, they've now taken that away. And I don't like it at all. I would say I'm in the minority here, but this is why. What it says to me, their logic is away goals, that there's not a big difference. It's not that hard to score a goal when you're away. And I think that's some bullshit to the fans who try to make it very hard for visiting teams to score. I think it's opening the path for less interest in holding tournaments in the domestic stadiums where they should be, and instead saying, oh, let's go have it in Paris or Monaco, or I don't know, wherever the hell they're going to have it, instead of having to have it at the home stadium, sometimes of regional and less visited places. So I'm annoyed. I don't think there's any good reason. I've listened to them, and it just sounds to me like Comebal is getting pressured by UEFA to do this, to make The Copa Libertadores, the club championship, look more like the Champions League one more time. It annoys me and I'm annoyed. So I would like to burn the hyper capitalization once again of this tournament, which is very cool. The final will be played today between Palmeiras and Flamengo. Everybody should watch it. Um, or record it on Fubo and watch it later. So burn, burn. burn. Lens, can
2: you wrap us up, please?
0: Yeah. So on Monday,
3: last Monday, we had another um, report of um, abusive coaching in the National Women's Soccer League. Uh, this report came just a day or less than two days after the final where the Washington spirit beat the Chicago Red Stars early, early Monday morning slash late Sunday night. Uh, the Red Stars announced in a cryptic email that Rory Dames had resigned. I think everyone's spidey senses immediately um, left into gear. And that Monday afternoon, Molly Hensley Clancy, who's just done such great work at the Washington Post, reported that... Um, For years, players have been reporting abuse by Rory Dames and the Chicago Red Stars, and yet nothing was done, not by the Red Stars' ownership, who did know about one of the investigations, and not by U.S. soccer, who this was specifically reported to. Um, As far back as 2014, Kristen Press was the biggest name who came forward on the record in this. She used to play for the Red Stars. You know, she said, I was terrified of what Rory would do and say if he found out this was something I said. That was about press's decision to go to U.S.'s soccer officials about this in 2014. Press continued, and then I was made to feel by U.S. soccer that I was in the wrong, that there was nothing to report, and that this was acceptable. For so many women in this league, you think you don't have any worth. And if you stand up and you say what you think is right or wrong, nobody cares, So not only did uh, Kristen Press bring this up to officials in 2014, she filed an official complaint in 2018 to U.S. Soccer. And this is after she had requested a trade, which that trade led to she was left off of a U.S. national team because she wouldn't play for the Houston Dash. And anyway, she received a lot of career retribution. And now it's believed that the people doing that career retribution knew about her reason for leaving the Red Stars and knew about her complaints about Rory Dames. So I would just like to burn Rory Dames, of course, and all of his enablers and particularly U.S. soccer officials. Um, and I'm going to include a uh, head coach, a uh, former head coach, Jill Ellis, who is now with San Diego in this. I think her role in this needs to be specifically examined, but for not Fully investigating these claims, not taking them seriously, punishing players for speaking up and allowing this abuse to continue for years and years and years. The reckoning in the NWSL, it's only just beginning. Um, I think it's clear that there's a lot more weeding out to do. It's a painful process, but it's very necessary. So to US soccer, to Rory Dames, to the Red Star owner burn, burn, burn.
0: Burn. burn.
2: After all that burning, we want to raise some amazing people for Torchbearers of the Week. Lindsay, who was our bright light down under?
3: That was the crowd at the Matildas game. There were 36,109 fans to watch the Matildas take on the USA, which beat a record set in 2000. USA won the match 3-0, but great to see that crowd support as we're getting closer to that World Cup
2: our high rising flame this week congrats to Allison Desier friend of the show named by Women's Running as a power woman of 2021 we love you Allison and check out our conversation with Allison in episode 158 and interview 172
0: Brenda who was our lightning rod congrats to Kaylee K O Macunnog Reese of the Sikonki Wapanog tribe in Providence, Rhode Island, who defended her World Boxing Association's super lightweight title. She is boxing's first Native American world champion. Our feisty spark is Zaila Avant-Garde.
2: She is the 2021 Sports Illustrated Sports Kid of the Year. We remember this amazing young woman winning the Scripps National Spelling Bee in 2021 and also being a basketball star. Lindsay... Where's some more of the good lights?
3: Yeah, another big uh, viewership record was set. The Washington Spirit, when they beat the Red Stars, the game was on CBS for the NWSL Championship. They averaged 525,000 viewers, which was up 216% from the NWSL Championship game in 2019. Uh there was up to 571,000 tuning in for the final half hour. Just incredible. Hey, if you put put it on TV, if you make it accessible, <laughs> guess what happens?
2: <laughs> guess what happens? Can I get a drum roll, please? The torchbearer of the week is the Mexican women's national soccer team who beat the reigning Olympic champions, Team Canada, in the first match out of two in the CONCACAF division. Congratulations to Tricolor Feminina and, you know, can't wait to see more from this incredible team. Lindsay, tell me what's good.
3: Well, you know, after not being Being able to do holiday traditions last year because the pandemic, thanks to vaccines, vaccines are what's good, I guess, because, you know, was able to gather with my family for Thanksgiving and do one half of Thanksgiving with my mom's family and then the other half of the day with my dad's family ate so, so much. And uh, it was just wonderful. It was great to see my cousins. I've had a lot, of, a lot of pandemic babies, a lot of pandemic babies, uh, and got to see all of them. And it was a beautiful day here in North Carolina. So that that was just wonderful. Um, I had really missed the, you know, big family gatherings for holidays. I had really missed that. Um, and also, you know, I went on this trip to Sonoma, to wine country, a few weeks ago Uh, as you guys heard about, and all of my shipments of wine have been coming in. So I have so (laughs) much good wine and it's good. It's a real test for me to not just like have like a bottle a night. Honestly, like it's really easy to go through a bottle if you just have, you know, if you start early and just like have a glass at a time, you know, but it's good. It is delicious. So come on over. If anyone wants to come on over, I got a glass for you.
2: Lindsay, what's your favorite wine?
3: Oh, I don't I don't have a good answer for that. Um, I just my big answer is just dry wines. Like I love dry, whether it's red or it's white. I love a, a dry red. Um, actually one of my favorites. I haven't tasted yet since it got in and just got in yesterday, but there's a sparkling red that one of the vineyards did. Um, and I'm really excited to get to pop that out because like what feels more Christmassy than a sparkling red wine? Hello.
0: Man, that's exciting. Brenda? Um, we weren't going to get through this show without a mention of Formiga, yes. right? <laughs> nobody nobody thought that. No. Nobody actually no. thought that. Her last game, she bid adieu to the um, Brazilian national women's team this past week uh, in Manaus in a friendly, uh, came on in the 78th minute, but the cute story, and you can find it on Twitter, is that her mom has a real phobia about flying. I um, share that with her. So Donna Celeste had actually never seen Formiga play live because she's always played in France, you know, had to do her professional career abroad. And uh, so she flew to Manaus and it was really touching and they were hugging and it was just a very heartwarming story um and scenes so if you're feeling you know down on the world you can look it up i also had um i'm very grateful for having vaccines and tests and we had a, a gathering it wasn't huge but a nice thanksgiving and um yeah so that was it was really nice um all of those things and i did get a little turkey trot in i love that um you so cute brenda um I haven't been on the show in a couple of weeks
2: because I was busy doing all kinds of things. And one of the most Graduating. things. <laughs> um, it was beautiful. Uh, one of my friends called it my Oscar week, and I really truly <laughs> felt it. I had a prom with my with my class, who I love, and my cohort husband Winston and we went and it was lovely and some of my classmates I actually never met in person before because my program was online so we actually went for dinner at this beautiful restaurant we went to a um a dive bar in a, in Koreatown and did karaoke and then we ended up in the village in Toronto and went to a drag show which was pretty amazing
0: what did you karaoke the people want to know oh god you know me
2: I did Beauty and the Beat by Justin Bieber of course I did. Amazing. Okay, one thing did happen that made me feel like a little weird. I wanted to close the show on alone with heart. And my classmates were like, well who? And I was like, that was the only time the entire year that I felt really <laughs> old. I'm like, how do you not know Anne and Nancy Wilson? How do you not know that?
0: Mm. Did nobody watch
2: Glee? Like Kristen Chenna was saying it with what's his name? Will Schuster. Anyways, why am I going down this? Um, so that was amazing. And then I came home on the day of my convocation, which was online. And I bought my Nespresso advent calendar that I'm so excited about. I've never had an adult advent calendar. I've never had one as a child. But this, I'm like, listen, I don't celebrate Christmas, but adult advent calendars will connect all of humanity. I believe in this. Last thing I would be remiss if I didn't mention Justin Beaver. Justin Beaver is my first holiday decor. He is a light up beaver. And what I love about this is that he's adorable and it's like Canadian and I can keep him outside to like april when winter's over or like may sometimes and he's got his little plaid scarf on and i i just love him and what's even better is that for those of you that don't know the word bieber is actually Biber in german that's what beaver means so actually it, his name makes sense it's justin beaver so you're welcome for this german lesson and this joy What are we watching this week? We are watching the NBA and all the things we talked about coming in the holiday season. Champs League football, men and women. NCAA Div 1 soccer. The semifinals are on the 3rd of December and the finals are on the 5th of December. We are also watching the NFL.
0: Kind of. Kind
2: of. This episode was produced by Tressa Verstag. Shelby Walden is our web and social media wizard. Burn It All Down is a part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Follow Burn It All Down on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen and subscribe and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and TuneIn. For show links and transcripts, check out our website, BurnItAllDownPod.com. You'll also find a link to our merch at our bonfire store. And thank you, thank you, thank you to our patrons. Your support means the world. If you do want to become a sustaining donor to our show, visit patreon.com slash burn it all down. We could not do it without you. It helps us to keep doing what we love and burning what needs to be burned. And as Brenda always says, burn on and not out. And i suck you up and i you out. And i play you with your papers to you screaming.